Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 9 of Revelation chapter 3. And we're going to be reading from verse 4, which says, Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And uh, as we continue our Bible study in the book of Revelation, going uh, verse by verse and looking at each phrase, each word that God is giving us, we're going to begin by looking at the first part of verse 4. Thou hast a few names even in Sardis, that could also be translated also in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And let's look at um, what God says here, that thou hast a few names even in Sardis. And let's begin by looking at the word few. As uh, God does use this word in other places in some um, significant ways. And we'll look at three verses in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 14. Um, well, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to read verse 13 so we, we get the context. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now, in these two verses, God is really um, examining all of mankind, everyone who will ever live and die, or, or, or everyone who um, will ever exist, every human being that God will ever create. And he is dividing them into two groups. One group he calls many, which follow a broad way, and that way leads to destruction. And another group that he identifies as few that travel a narrow way and go through a straight gate. And this way leads to life and the few find it. And in these verses, the Lord is letting us know that concerning his salvation program for this world, that it is his plan to save few and to allow many to live their lives and and then finally die and, and be destroyed forevermore. They will experience eternal destruction. They they will experience annihilation. And uh, we learn from the Bible that uh, this is a consistent teaching of the Word of God. God has a remnant. He has a particular people that he has saved for himself that he calls his elect. And they are few in comparison to the many. Now, the Bible uses numbers um, like 144,000 to describe all those saved during the church age. And, and they're called the first fruits unto God. 
And the Bible uses a number in the book of Revelation in chapter 9 of 200 million horsemen. And these horsemen typify the elect of God. And, and it, it's a good possibility that that is the sum total, the complete number of elect, that they will number about 200 million. But at this point, we can't know that for sure uh, because of the way that it's written there, uh, that it, it could possibly be a spiritual number, but it would seem to be it, it is an actual number. In any regard, we know that God has saved a great multitude from every nation, tribe, and people, and tongue. The Bible tells us that. And and this great multitude, well, it certainly numbers in the millions or tens of millions. And God saved them out of the little season of great tribulation, the, the uh, last about 17 years of the latter reign, which which fell in conjunction with the Great Tribulation period, where it coincided with that Great Tribulation. And and so we know that God saved people in the Old Testament, but not that many. He saved people in the New Testament era, which he, he says were 144,000. And again, that's not a literal number. That's a figurative number that uh, has the number 12 built into it to let us know it's the fullness of all those individuals that were to be saved during that period of time. So we don't know um, precisely exact numbers or we can't be sure of them, but it is a great many people. And if God saved 200 million, let's say, out of all of mankind and the total population of the world, throughout all of its history, is maybe 14 billion or 15 billion. It'll be around that number, maybe 16. We we don't know. that it, it is just a remnant. 200 million out of that number is not very numerous at all. It's few because many billions will die. So many will be destroyed. They do not go the way of the Lord Jesus Christ, the narrow way. They take any other way, as Jesus is the only way that leads to heaven, and any other road that people travel will never lead to heaven if it's if it's not Christ, no matter what religion, no matter what philosophy, no matter what ideas people have, that if they think that this will get them to heaven, it will not. And so it is the few that find life. Now, it, it we also read in Matthew chapter 9, in verse 36 and 37, it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And here, the Lord Jesus is emphasizing that the laborers are few. And, you know, there are many um, pastors down through the centuries that have gone to these verses, this text, and and preached 
to the congregation, uh, encouraging them, come and help us. Don't you say we're few that labor in the gospel field. We need your help. God is pleading with you, the preacher says, come and help us. And that is a complete misunderstanding of what Jesus is saying. He is indicating the harvest truly is plenteous. And again, we know that's true. There was a great multitude that God saved right at the time of the end of his salvation program in order to finally bring them into the feast of ingathering at the end. And and so a great multitude is a plenteous harvest, and yet uh, the laborers are few. And uh, the Lord is not trying to um, get the numbers up of workers in the vineyard or in the harvest field. He's not trying to um, motivate people to come and help. That's not what he's doing at all. He's he's stating a fact. The laborers in God's harvest, those that carry forth the word of God, the gospel, into the world in order that that harvest be brought in, were few. It was the elect. The children of God were the laborers. And we can uh, just look at the period of time leading up to the close of God's salvation program on May 21 of 2011 to see that God utilized his people. He moved in his people, the true elect, the true believers, to get the message out in an unprecedented manner in a way the world had never seen before. And they were used by God and and motivated by God as the Lord stirred them up by his spirit to believe, first of all, that this was the final day of judgment, that this was the end of salvation. And then he sent them forth all over the earth. And, and God's people went forth on mission trips. Um, E-Bible had many mission trips. Project Jonah was activated in foreign lands. Project Caravan was busy uh, in this country. Many of God's people all over the world were were personally handing out gospel tracts, warning, warning, warning. God's people were moved to give of their resources, their funds, in order that the harvest be brought in, that people be warned, that they hear the trumpet sound and be able to take warning before that day overtook them. And all this happened according to the perfect will of God. It It is a fulfillment, actually, of this verse. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. It was not the many of about two billion professed Christians in the churches that sounded the trumpet, that warned the people. They uh, absolved themselves, they distanced themselves from the message of judgment. If asked, they would deny it would ever occur. They would say God um, is not going to bring judgment, he's not going to... Uh, do anything, no man knows a day or hour. And 
And yet God did bring judgment as he shut the door to heaven and completed his salvation plan and gathered the harvest. And it was not the many that were involved in that final harvest, but it was only the elect outside of the churches and congregations that the Lord used to bring it in. Well, that that's another place that we find this word few pointing to the elect. Now let's look at a third in Matthew chapter 20 in verse 16. It says, So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many be called, but few chosen. And here God is stating a biblical principle. Many are called by the gospel, by the word of God, but few of those called are chosen. Yes, the few likewise are called, as well as the many, but they only happen to be God's elect. They only are the ones who were predestinated to receive salvation. And so God, all through history, has called people, or or especially during the church age, he has called people uh, to come and hear, to uh, come to the gospel, and and they did enter into the churches. And even after the church age, during the Great Tribulation's 23-year period, God called people all over the earth. Uh, won't you? Won't you listen uh, to the message of the Bible? Won't you listen to what God is saying? Because the time is short, the the days are few. And, and God's mercy is about to expire for this world. He is no longer going to save individuals once this day comes. So won't you, um, seek the Lord while he may be found and approach unto him and cry out to him for mercy that he might have mercy upon you if It be his good pleasure. If you be one of those elect, you may ask him and and cry to him. Oh, Lord, could it be that you have saved me and recorded my name before the foundation of the world? Could it be that Christ has taken my sins upon himself? And so on. And God sent this message to all the earth in those days of the latter rain. And and so many were called, but few were chosen, typified by 144,000 who who are in white also. It says in Revelation chapter 14, I keep referring to 144,000, but let's read what the Bible says in verse 1 of Revelation 14. I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name, written in their foreheads, and I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder, and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps, and they sung as it were a new song before the throne, and before the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song, but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, 
being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. And these were the few chosen ones. Again, the 144,000 is a figurative number. It's not an actual number of all those saved during the 1955 years of the church age. And then God saved a great multitude out of the great tribulation period. And again, there many were called as the call now reached the ears of of practically all the inhabitants of the earth, which numbered in the billions, and God saved the great multitude of them, few were chosen. And so that completed God's salvation program. You know, the Bible speaks of that great multitude coming out of great tribulation, and that's it. We don't read of any other group of people to be saved. That once the great tribulation concludes, and it did, after 23 years, on May 21 of 2011, then there are no further individuals to receive salvation. All to be saved have been saved. Many, therefore, have been called, and the few have been found. They were chosen. They were the elect. As sometimes the word translated as elect is also translated as chosen. They receive God's grace and were recipients of his salvation. And then God ended his program to evangelize the world. Or we could say that another way. We could say, then God ended his program to call sinners to the gospel. He he no longer is calling out to people, come to the gospel waters, come to me, come boldly unto the throne of grace in order that you become saved. Of course, any any child of God can approach God's throne, and it is certainly a throne of grace, and we can beseech him for anything, but concerning specifically the matter of salvation, that is done, that is finished. No more calls are going out to the inhabitants of the earth. The call has ended, and that's because many were called in order that the few be found and brought in. Now that the few are brought in, there is no need to continue the call to the rest. And so uh, God's salvation program has come to an end. God is is interested. The reason why he sent forth the gospel far and wide into all the earth was to find his people and gather them together to bring in that harvest of souls, a great final harvest, and, and to complete the saving of all the elect. Now it says here in Revelation 3, in verse 4, Thou hast a few names even in Sardis, or also in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white. And we see from the word few that that points to the elect, but what about names, a few names, even in Sardis? Well, the 
The Greek word that's translated as names is found in, in many places. But let's look in a, in a few. Revelation chapter 13 in verse 8 says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now we just broke into the context of Revelation 13. It's referring to the beast that rises up from the sea, and that is a reference to Satan himself. And and so Satan, the beast, was the one in view when uh, this verse says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, not God, but Satan, the beast, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. And here, the names um, is being used to speak of those unsaved people of the world. The many, their names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, implying that the names of the few, those elect, are written in the Lamb's book of life. And and now, again, of course, the Bible uses types and figures uh, all over the place to describe a great many spiritual truths, and here God is using another figure. We're, we're not to think that there is an actual book uh, in heaven or or anywhere, in which names are recorded, God doesn't need that. He has an infinite mind. He has uh, a mind that is able to uh, hold uh, the details of everything, the details of all of his creatures and and uh, of all of mankind. Uh, he not only knows all the names of every individual that has ever lived or is living or will live, but he in addition, he knows the number of hairs on each one of our heads. He knows the thoughts of our minds of each one that has ever lived. He knows our deeds. And just just imagine the incredibly complex nature of containing all of that information and how many computers it would take to hold it and and we get a slight little glimpse into the infinite, brilliant mind of the Almighty. And and so uh, the Lord is condescending once again to finite little man, that's us, and he is using language that we understand, and so he uses the figure of a book. There are names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You say because he made choice and selected certain individuals, few in comparison to the many of the whole of mankind that would ever live, but certain individuals who God foreknew and therefore predestinated. He, he knew everything about them since he knows the end from the beginning and he chose them before they were born, sometimes many centuries, sometimes many millennium before they were born. Actually, he did this before the world even began. And he chose them before 
obviously, any of them could have done good or evil. And he said, I will save Jacob, but I will not uh, save Esau. Therefore, in this figure, Jacob's name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. I will save Joseph, but I will not save uh, most of his brethren. I won't say all. We don't know if uh, how many of Joseph's brethren were saved, but Joseph's name certainly is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and so on. And so God uses this illustration, this figure of writing names down in the book, and a great many names. There's a good possibility about 200 million. And, and so God records them in this sense. And yet it, there is no book. There is no list. He has all them recorded in his own brilliant intellect within himself. He knows all these things within his infinite mind. And so uh, he also knows everyone whose name is not written down. And so God has the names of all of these people. And what, what name does he have for you and for me? Well, he, he knows our name that we were born with, our, our given name that our parents gave us, that the uh, local government, the, the nation we live in recognizes and identifies us by. And, and so the Lord has John Smith, yes, written uh, down in, in his, uh, mind. This is one of my elect. And the Lord knows, well, John Smith will not be born, uh, until the time of that great tribulation very near the end of the world. Uh, let's say John Smith was born in the year 1990. And so, the Lord waits and waits and waits for history to unfold until, and all throughout, of course, he's saving other individuals whose names were recorded until John Smith is born. And then God arranges things. John Smith lives maybe in uh, a very isolated village in India and in a, a, a little village with, uh, without much gospel um, reaching it at all, and maybe no gospel throughout most of that village's history, but God arranges for a track trip to reach that particular part of India, and the Lord arranges for two or three of those on the trip to take a special little side trip to a little town, since they're they're visiting so near in the big city, and they come into that little village and they're handing out tracts left and right, and John Smith has never seen anything like this. Who are these people? What is this message? And he's curious, and he goes over, and he, as well as many others, receives the gospel tract, and and he has now received the call of God as well as the rest, and he goes back to his uh, shack, to the place where he lives, and he pours himself over that literature, reading it carefully, and maybe that day, maybe the next, maybe a month later, God uses that word and sparks new life and creates a new heart within him. And so the call went forth. Many in the village heard, 
but it could be that it was only John Smith, let's say out of the village of 200 people, that God had chosen. He was the few. God saved him, and now uh, he was safe and sound in the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what else happens to John, if he dies of some disease, if if there's a famine, if he dies of starvation, he has eternal security. He has eternal life. 